I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Between the time when gamers played with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of. And onto the Skygats, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roll for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, volume number three, issue number 137. DM Vince sitting alongside DM Matt. Hello, everyone. DM Chad. Yo. DM Nick. Hey, everybody. And special guest appearance by Thacko's Hammer's original DM Corey. Am I in the wrong studio? Hey, guys, what's going on? <laughs> yes, you are in the wrong studio. <laughs> part of Thacko's Hammer. Got Down the hall. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Past the, past, the, past the dead orc. You guys seem more interesting today, so I think I'll sit in with you guys. Anyone interested in listening to Thacko's Hammer, that'd be thackoshammer.info. They are the ad. Uh, Vance Dungeons and Dragons second edition, I guess. I don't know. I didn't know there was anything after first edition. So, you <laughs> Yeah, mean, you know, we're the ones that fixed it. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. I didn't realize Dungeons and Dragons continued after 1988. It yes. did? Oh. oh. Nice. Anyway, there'll be no edition wars on this podcast, but no. we all know that second edition sucks. But anyway. <laughs> We we oh. love all the additions, don't we? We love everything, and we, yep. we hug them all and kiss them all. And every edition yep. is equal; just some are more equal. <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh, so uh, let's see what's going on. Oh, so let's let's ignore the fans, Matt. Let's talk some wrestling right now, real quick. Okay. Royal Rumbles tonight. Yep. And uh, what's your prediction for the winner of Royal Rumble? Batista. You think so? Yeah, Batista Orton Mania is my thought. Yeah, unfortunately. I want to see the winner of Royal Rumble uh, take on uh, the big winner of the Grammys. <laughs> that would be money. That would be a license to print money. We need Batista to make- versus Justin Timberlake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! I would. I would see that free. If if only WCW <laughs> still existed, they would probably do it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that would be so well, awesome. Give David Arquette the world title. Don't give anybody the world title. Exactly. <laughs> Only if I can see Goldberg spear Seth Rogen, I would pay money. Now that (laughs) is a good time. That just happened. Really? Yes. Yeah, it just happened. So uh, let's talk a little little bit to Corey here. Corey, what have you been doing lately? Uh, Drawing, drawing, and some more drawing. Uh, Just finished a map for a Forgotten Realms author, Eric Scott Tabai, doing a new book, an indie book, non uh, Dungeons and Dragons related for his own world called World of Ruin. Um, working on my own Kickstarter for my own comic book company and getting the graphic novel inked and finalized. And uh, I've been talking to my friend. He's a really great friend of mine. Um, he's got another idea for a podcast down the pipe, but you know it's a little hush hush right now. But we're working on it. So, oh gee, I wonder who that person might be. <laughs> <laughs> As our network keeps expanding, more podcasts. Coming into the fold, we're still working on getting that Dead Game Society podcast going. 
Yeah, everybody's like, you know what? These schmucks over here can do it. Hey, we can do it too. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much our game plan. Uh, that was actually our, uh, yeah, exactly maybe we could do it. Let's wing it. Well, we finally, uh, we finally got the, I think, we finally have the, uh, the website uh, package uh, corrected. So now we can actually start. You know, we can get the WordPress up, we get the uh, the the site back out there, and actually start hosting the podcast. Uh, for, uh, you know, put some links there. Yeah, as soon as that's fixed up, I can get in there. And, uh, Believe it or not, we have two episodes already recorded. So, mm-hmm. yeah. nice. Are they edited and ready to go? They're edited and ready to go. Awesome. All right. Uh, so, uh, Nick, what have you been doing lately? Uh, let's see. Um, actually got back into my friend Jeff's campaign that kind of, it's kind of like the game of Thrones sort of thing. Yeah. It got pretty, uh, intense. This last game, we were actually taking on a few giants and ogres. It got, it got pretty dicey, but, uh, we took them out. So luckily I had a giant slaying sword. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. We, we were following, the whole campaign's revolving around fire drakes right now. And every like 40 years or so, give or take in this, in this game world, there's like this infestation of fire drakes that happens. And it just like roll over the world, just like, like locusts. Wow. And one of these, one of the opponents to the, uh, to this kingdom apparently is trying to grab the hatchlings or at least their eggs and have the fire drakes for himself or his army. Not only that, but he is in cahoots with uh, giants and ogres. So he's trying to build up an army, not just of mercenaries, of humans, but ogres. You got, looks like mountain giants, hill giants, and stone giants, too. Hmm. So we were able to uh, follow them. There was a, there was a cart that, uh, that they load up all these hatchling eggs and they head through this abandoned town towards this abandoned keep. And we get there and um, I'm like, okay, what's next? So I'm like being like the the strategy guy. I'm like, okay, we got to find the highest structure here so we can have an observation of there. And uh, I'm thinking very tactically, right. You know, I'm going back to my military training. It's like, okay, this is what we do. And I'm saying, okay, you two guys, the thieves, and you with the barbarian, go recon the area and see what you know, what sort of what we have to deal with as far as the bad guys. So, one of the thieves in the party, she goes up, and they there's this little um, battlement area across a bridge, basically a small small tower, and. Uh, she goes to there, she climbs the wall, and she sees, oh, there's a there's a guard over there with a over by a brazier trying to keep himself warm at night. <sighs> and she sees that there's other guards, there's like four other guards inside this small tower. And at the tower at the top, at the top of the tower, she kills the guard. I'm like, No! <laughs> I said, Recon! Don't kill anybody. Recon, report back. No. So I'm like, oh, well, screw it. <laughs> so, so we go, and luckily, the nobody in the keep was observing what was going on out there. So we actually took those guys out. We went to the keep, and there was, like, one of my my arch nemesis was in there talking to a hill giant and a mountain giant and a stone giant. 
I'm like, okay, guys, we got to take these guys out. So we had a, so we had came up with a plan. The bridge was in really bad shape and there was some horses left from those guards at that one small tower. So one of the guys had a good skill role for like masonry and found out, okay, this support, we use these horses to pull the support out with some rope, the bridge will collapse. So we timed it to where they were crossing the bridge with the cart of all those eggs that collapsed the bridge. We took out the giants and still there's going to be some problems because my nemesis escaped. <laughs> so yeah, it's got, it's getting pretty, uh, pretty intense. So he's escaped. He's going North and we're going to track his butt down. So all right. yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really fun. Sweet. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Uh, unfortunately not a lot of gaming. Um, I, had drove New York for a friend's 30th birthday party that was Victorian themed. So we were in a Victorian house all weekend and partied and quality fun was had. And uh, yeah, in March, I'm going to have a pro be involved in a pro wrestling match. Not exactly sure how I got suckered into it, but I'll be having a tag team match. Were you drunk at the time? No, it it just kind (laughs) of happened. You know, you get someone slaps you around, you go back, you end up uh, spearing them during their match, costing them the match. And next thing you know, you're in a tag match. It happens. Is nice. there going to be a folding chair involved at any time? You never know. Could, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but You yeah. never know what's underneath those uh, those mats. Oh, those no. That, uh, the, underneath the ring is a magical, mystical place where you can – it's almost like a bag of holding. You never it's, know what maybe you could pull out. <laughs> so does that hole. <laughs> Matt, are you like the new Paul Heyman now or something? <laughs> no, no, no. Just I was doing camera work and one of the managers slapped me around, so he was having a match later and I decided to interject myself. Did you choke uh, slam him? No, I just speared him and got rolled out of the ring quick so the other guy could pin him. Oh, okay. So I cost him his match. And this was all on the spur, this wasn't pre planned or anything? No, I had no idea it was happening. Okay. Yep. yep. So when it was all said and done, they smelled what Matt was cooking. Yep. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever been in a wrestling locker room, that would probably smell better than a wrestling locker room. It's yeah. Me- yeah. Axe and butt. What that wrestling place. federation are you with? Uh, Northern Wrestling Federation out of Cincinnati. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We've had a few people of note uh, come out of our uh, training school and work for us, so. Awesome. It's cool. Yep. So one day we'll see Matt as a manager in the WWE, hopefully. No, 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 no. Not my goal. I. Oh. No, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now, and I wouldn't want the it, insane road schedule of the WWE. Mm. I like being home. Yeah. Well, anyway, that cut yeah. into your all your gaming exactly i mean yes yeah. so, so if i'm traveling but how am i gonna game no there you go priorities it, you can sit in the back and play uh D with uh cody and triple h and- <laughs> oh yeah oh yes <laughs> <laughs> oh oh no oh, i could play you could play um um uh was it uh the uh all flesh must be eaten the uh the uh supplement zombie smackdown yeah, or I could dig out that old WWE RP- D20 RPG. Oh, God. Oh my God. Or, I, or that WWF by Wit 
RPG by Wit Publications back in 1993. You, know, you could do. You could play the uh, the Know Your Role game and p- have Vince McMahon play Chris Benoit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, without uh, without the old uh, Marvel uh, role playing, and you guys could do uh, the, what, what was it the, called? The, the Universal uh, uh, Universal Wrestling. Yeah. What was it? The UFW or uh, oh, something yeah. like Universal UF. Class Wrestling. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Or was it unlimited? Was unlimited. It or, Ulti- or yeah, so, it was a U word. Class yeah. wrestling. Yeah, something like that. Ultimate muscle, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Ultimate muscle. <laughs> you remember that cartoon? Ultimate. Muscle. I remember those little pink toys. I still have some of them in a drawer somewhere. Those little action feet. Well, in action figures. They're just solid polyurethane. Started using them as erasers. Yeah, I remember those. <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, okay, cool. Uh, I got back in town the other day, and I do apologize for all those who were playing in my first edition podcast. We had to postpone it due to a family emergency, so we'll be getting back up soon. Uh, but anyway, I got back in town the other day and was able to meet up with my Shadowrun group. Oh. And uh, got a good game of Shadowrun in, and uh, we had some good hijinks in that, and uh, we threw the, the GM, who was a brand new GM, off completely. Oh. <laughs> evil, evil players. Oh, yeah, he had something planned, and we went the opposite total direction. And he was like, oh. It's like, ha, ha. <laughs> nice. Anyway, so I guess that's about it. Uh, oh, well, I did go to uh, I did go to Midwinter Games in Milwaukee last weekend. That, that was kind of fun. Uh, we, that was uh, about that. Yeah, we, it, it was all right. Uh, a lot of White Wolf going on there, but we ran a uh, – DGS ran a top secret uh, slash our own kind of setting called Checkpoint Charlie – uh, Cold War era adventure, and and uh, Harold Johnson was at the table. Oh, cool! Like one of the uh, one of the agents, and uh, yeah, it was interesting though because uh, we've ran this scenario Operation Goodnight at a couple other conventions. It always ends a little differently every time, but this time they never really got beyond the first page of the adventure. They got to their <laughs> safe house, and then it devolved into a shootout between MI6 and CIA within the safe house. <laughs> Needless to say, they did I not. <laughs> their cover was blown very quickly and then after the shootout everybody it was every man for himself <laughs> they never really got over that thing with the american revolution did they no probably not still um, still some sore feelings about it. Hmm. Oh, okay. one thing i do remember uh that's and everybody else uh today as we're recording january 26 today uh, i guess in in history, today is the official 40th anniversary of D and D going on sale. That is correct. Yes, 40 years ago. Happy yes. birthday to you. 1974. It means I'm older than the game. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. So happy birthday, D and D. Without that, I wouldn't be here on a talking about D and D on a podcast with a bunch of people whom I haven't even met. We'd all be sitting on PlayStation or something, doing something else. We've all met. What are you talking about? So there's that. Yeah. We sit in the, we, we sit in the same room, Nick. What are you talking about? We are right. recording. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As far Absolutely. as you know. As far as you know, exactly. Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> I'm in the bathroom on a cell phone. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me while I flush. <laughs> Great, anyway. now you reveal the location of our office. In the bathroom. Yeah. 
Yes, of the uh, um, let's let's steal the Broken Skull Ranch here in Texas for our studios. That's right. Yes. So anyway, happy birthday, D and D. Yes, happy birthday. Let's head into Sage Advice. Sage Advice. Sage Advice. Uh, this week we have uh, some emails for you. If you want to contact us, that's RFI staff at gmail.com. Head over to RFIPodcast.com and click on the contact form, and you can send us an email that way. Uh, Facebook.com slash RFIPodcast. You can find us on Twitter, RFIPodcast, or you can call 570-865-4210, the hotline, where nobody's standing by because everybody's on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> we do that from time to time. We let them go. Christopher Walken might pick up the phone once in a while, though. He'll he'll be on there. He'll say, Wow. What questions? Yes. I've got no answers. And that will be the last time we hear Christopher walking on the show until somebody leaves a star on uh, iTunes. Yeah. We haven't had any since October, folks. Get out there to iTunes, please. Yes. We're, we're rate gag- us. We're gagging Christopher Walken and tying him up and throwing him into the basement, and we're no longer hearing from him until we have a star review. Yeah. I and that he'll be very mad. <laughs> Anyway, our first email comes in from David D, and he says, Hello, esteemed hosts. Recently, I was shown a PDF version of Unearthed Arcana. It starts with the same cover, title page, and preface uh, preface, sorry, from Gary as my 1985 printed edition. But then, to my surprise, it diverges. For instance, the PDF next goes into expanded character races, including the infamous, I don't even know how to pronounce it, from S-V-I-R-F. Oh, Nerf Neblin. Nerf Neblin, yeah. And things like half ogres, which are definitely not in my printed edition. Strangely, there are no dedicated pages with printing dates or introduction pages. I went back and noticed that the fonts and Gary's signature is also different. There are really more differences than similarities. There are, however, some interesting things in the PDF, such as details for magic creation, but then there are some not not so useful things, such as expansive psionic section. Everything appears to be in the first edition format. So my question, is there a later version of the 1E Unearthed Arcana, or was there a second edition version printed, or is this personal, someone's personal amalgamation of stuff? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. David D. I know about this, because I, I have a copy of this. It oh. was someone's own personal take oh. on on uh, Unearthed Arcana. And, yeah, it's not an official thing. <laughs> so Okay. But, um... Does it look good? It's okay. I mean, I'm I'm trying to find it here on my computer right now, but um, why you do well, that? I know the half ogres. Uh, you could find them in uh, Dragon Magazine number seventy three, the best darn door opener. Uh, actually, it was called the whole half ogre. Was yeah, there a UA done for second edition, Corey? What's that? Was there a uh, Unearthed Canada done for second edition? I don't even know. I don't think um, it was. Yeah, it's called the complete. Book of Fighters, the complete book of Thieves, <laughs> the complete book of. <laughs> there you go. No, there was yeah. no one Earth Arcanum. That essentially went. Somebody, I guess, that over TSR went. Hey, we need. We got some extra stuff. Let's put it in a new book. In second edition, they went. Hey, I have an idea. Let's make fifteen books and make fifteen times the money. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't really that complete of a book, was it? When since you had to buy fifteen different books. Yeah. <clears throat> I got my complete psionicist. I'm happy. <laughs> Nick, did you find that PDF or? No, I I can't seem to find it. I did have a copy of it somewhere, but I and I I do remember 
that yeah it looked like it was the 85 cover of unearth arcana and there was a few other things but what he said there's little added things like the half ogre and some things about magic creation or uh, magic item creation and stuff like that yeah that was that was like some independent project that was done by somebody so yeah that's not a that's not an official uh tsr product by no stretch of the imagination so all right our uh, second email comes in from dm dan and he says i am kai host i'm curious about your use and non-use of adjusting ability scores when starting a new group of pcs when rolling up characters have you ever let your players adjust ability scores what do you think about this practice in the past I have done the, uh, this to the following different ways. One, I have let players swap numbers on one ability score for another. For example, if a character wants a higher dexterity, they can, add it up. they can subtract one from their intelligence and then add one to their dexterity. I have found that, though, this has led to min-maxing. So, yeah, that probably does do that. Mm-hmm. He used that way back in the day when he was younger and made super characters back in the day, he says. Also, number two. I have let players add a number to their ability score by subtracting two from another ability score. This really makes characters think about modifying their scores because it's a high price to pay. So the two for one. But a lot of people have done that, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I've done that before. I only let players switch between physical and mental scores. For example, if a character wants to add one to their strength, they can only subtract one from their intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. The problem I have had with this method, though, is that people tend to cannibalize their charisma score as a throwaway. Yeah. Recently, I've abandoned this practice altogether, though. In my current group, yeah, I've recently, he wrote this differently. Okay, recently, I have abandoned this practice altogether, though, in my current group. What do you all do? Thanks. I think you meant to add something else there. Sorry if I'm reading it wrong, but anyway. I don't even do the min-maxing thing. I don't allow it at all. What about you, Matt? I really don't either. Um, in my current game, I did have a player who wanted to make his uh, half orc dumber because his intel, even when he rolled rolled all the stats, his intelligence was still too high for his liking. Well, that's fine. So I, I let him drop that, and I think okay. I let him. He wanted to drop it like two or three points. So I'm like, okay, I'll let you increase like the basically let it be a two for one since the whole point of it was to drop. The wisdom down lower, not increase another stat. Mm. But yeah, huh. Nick, what about you? Uh, I've done that from time to time, but just at like character creation, like you can take two uh, stats and increase another one by one. So I've done that to the one ratio thing in the past. Uh, I don't do it anymore. I just do a standard die roll method. Four d six, or no? I'm sorry, three d six. Reroll ones and twos. Ooh. That's what I do. So minimum score of nine for everybody. Senor yes. Chad, what about you, Chad? Uh, actually, I still do the two for one, but I have a bit of an, a different way of approaching it because my 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 philosophy is that, you know it, it's a game and everybody has something they want to play but uh if you if you're like you know i need i'm just one point short of what i need to be a paladin you know in in uh, charisma uh so you can get you can drop two points off a non essential stat uh well it's I, I, not really that okay you can put in to your charisma from a non-essential stat at double the cost. 
but you can only do it until you get to that level where you now qualify. So you'll never, by doing it this way, you'll, you're, you're basically saying your guy just barely meets the requirements to be in that field. So he's not the shining example of a paladin, but you know, he can, he, 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 he can do it. Okay. Hmm. And uh, how about you, Corey? If you're a paladin and you're a human paladin and you really need that that high that that extra point charisma, yeah, I'll do it. But if somebody just wants it to min max, usually my players I can tell which one wants the extra point for the class and which person wants it for min maxing. But I've got I've had players like drop stats and yeah, I'm really want to play this guy who's who's a wizard, but I want to play him like Doctor Doolittle. I want him to be forgetful and forget where he put his potion. Mm-hmm. I want to lower his wisdom. All right, go ahead. That's fine with me. If you want to do that, that's fine. You know, but if they're like, I want to lower it, I'm not going to say, well, you have two extra points now. You can put them wherever you want because usually the first place they put it, prime requisite stat, yeah. right into where it's. And I'm like, no. So yeah, I mean it. It, 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 I got to take it on case by case basis, but usually if you're going to, if you're, if you're looking for a minimum requirement for class, I'll allow it. Yeah. That's the way I do it too. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's your answer. DM Dan. Thank you for the email. And then if you want to write in rfisafgmail.com, 570-865-4210, the hotline and all the other various ways to contact us. So it's our gaming.org of course, as well. Hey, uh, Vince, Yes. I found that PDF of that uh, oh. of that Unearth Arcana, and Great. I'm not sure where I picked this up. It was a while ago, but just to get everybody an idea what's in it. They basically whoever did this is like I guess what they thought what they would have done if they did it, Unearth Arcana. But they like expanded on a little bit on the races of the demi human races. They added half ogres. Um, they added um, clerical domains for cl- for clerics. If you want to focus, I guess, on a particular facet of clerics, they asked new oh. cleric classes like uh, the cloistered cleric, anti-paladin, the duelist, the necromancer, and the psionicist. Wow. Um, also, basically took the uh, the demi-human point of view articles from Dragon and put them in there. And uh, some stuff on psionics, uh, magic item creation, and uh, stuff about the different demi-human gods. So cool. yeah, it's 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 different. <laughs> so I'll see if I can. I'll put that in the uh, in the show notes somewhere. Okay, no problem. All right, so let's uh, let's head into some tail manners. But first, a word from our sponsor, Weston's Golden Soda Biscuits. I'm enjoying one right now. Mm. Mm. Of all the evil creatures in the world, I'd like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay, folks. This week in Table Manners, we're going to talk about if... Hey, what if, like, some of your people don't show up at the game? 
Yeah. What do you do? Cancel the game. You just Perfect. cancel the game and just say the heck with it and I'll go home? Text them hateful messages about their family members? That too, that too. Um, tear their character sheets in half? I don't I know. I give them a stern frowning. Stern frowning. Stern frowning's all around. Got yeah. it. I tend to lock the characters in bathrooms and give them <laughs> intestinal issues. <laughs> well, basically, what we're going to talk about are like one-shot games, beer and pretzel games, either board games or even role-playing games that you know you can pull out and say, "Hey, let's play this." Yeah. So this is like the backup plan, Plan B, to if everybody doesn't show up. So, um, I guess I'll start it off. I think one of my favorites, as far as a backup game, to where. If no one shows up, or well, I'd say no one shows up, but it's kind of boring. Let's say, let's say you got a group of ten people and only five show. What do you do? I always go. My go. One of my go-to games is Zombies by Twilight Creations. Yes, love that game. Love, love zombies, and, and it's so fast and easy. Um, so anybody who doesn't know Zombies Twilight Creation, you you're in a town. You start off at the center of town with your shotgun guy and you have three lives, three little hearts and you have three little, um, uh, bullets and you have a D six, but you start off at the center of this town. One of the cool things about this game, it's not only is it small, but it expands out to a big board game because the different tiles that builds up the game, it's totally random. So it's a totally yeah. random board. It's such a cool concept. And you move your little shotgun guy around and you can use the little bullets to add one to your die roll when you have to fight, fight zombies. And there's also little things that happen within the game. If you could go to certain places when certain tiles are pulled out, like the police station, you can pick up extra bullets. And, uh, or if you go to the uh, sporting goods store or the fire station, other places that you could go to, ultimately you got to get to the one place called the helipad. The first player that gets to the helipad wins the game. Yep. And there's a there's a long version, the, the the standard long version of the game where the helipad is at the bottom of the tile deck, and you draw a different tile each time when it's a person's turn. Or uh, a shorter version of the game, if you only want to play for maybe a you know a couple hours, if even that, you can put shuffle the uh, helicopter pad tile anywhere inside the deck. So that's just kind of that game in a nutshell. And if your 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 little shotgun guy dies, you start back at the center of town. Yep. <laughs> and whatever zombies that you killed, they go back into the the the, the zombie pool, I guess, starting over again. Because two ob- actually two objectives of the game: either the first person who gets a helipad, or whoever gets twenty five zombie kills is is the winner of the game another beautiful thing of this game is the expansion packs yes this game can be expanded upon like and expanded upon and expanded expanded upon upon. (laughs) like uh, zombies 2 zombie core which is kind of like a expansion where you go to a military installation uh zombies six six feet under where you go into the sewers uh, another one I just picked up, Zombies 7, Send in the Clowns. Yes, yep. folks, Clown Zombies. You also have uh, uh, Shop Till You Drop, which is, I, oh God, I'm looking at Zombie Box Set number three. 
is at the mall. They also oh, have, you got to have the mall. That is awesome. Oh yeah, you got to have the mall one. There's also the uh, the the one for colleges. Zombie Five schools out forever. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have up to Zombie Seven right now. And um, another cool thing about this game is there's also a deck of cards involved. Everybody is issue uh, dealt out three cards for their turn. And you have these cards that do special things. Either they help you out if you get to like a certain area. Like, uh, for example, I think if you get to the toy store and you have a card for skateboard, if you have the skateboard card, you can play that when you get to the um, to the toy store. And you can, uh, I guess, you can move. You double your movement rate when you roll the die. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the things that you can do. But there's other cards where basically, <laughs> lack of a better term, uh, messes with the other players. Uh, so <laughs> you can play them on their turns, and they're like, why did you do that? Well, because you want to win. So, <laughs> And um, some of those cards, <laughs> they're, just, they're just downright, for example, you have the card, uh, this isn't so bad. Move any two zombies in play to any legal space. So you can move like maybe a couple of zombies uh, towards another player. Uh, players, uh, guy. Nice. Uh, another one: hysterical paralysis. A uh, target player skips their next turn, so they get skipped over, and they're s- just standing there. They're shocking the guy. Uh, this one's a really nasty one. Where did everybody go? Play this card that move target opponent five spaces. So you basically <laughs> control their um, shotgun guy. You move them five spaces. <laughs> so things like that. So and it's just a really, really fun game. Well, it's got sporting goods and under pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. what more do you want? I know. Yeah. Yeah, and another game along those lines that my group has played. It's basically like a co-op version of Zombies. It's Zombie Side by uh, Guillotine Games. And, oh, okay. And with this, it, it's tile-based as well, except the tiles are actually laid out in advance, unlike in Zombies, that they one gets laid ah, at each turn. And, with, and in this game, you may be like, oh, there's some people in there you have to go rescue. And there, there's uh, markers mm-hmm. placed on the board, and you have to go retrieve these people and drive off the board. And if anyone in mm-hmm. your party dies, you lose. Or it could be you just have to go in and sweep the room and kill a bunch of zombies. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, win conditions. Also, with this game, there's expansions where they add zombie dogs cool. and one where you're in a prison. So there's a lot of stuff that can be... A lot of expansions for that as well, and it, it the only thing is a little on the expensive side. It's like a seventy dollar board game, but it's really fun oh, wow. if, if some if someone in your group's willing to make the investment. Yeah, Zombies Four: The End has the zombie dogs in it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, that that's one if you want to oh, go. Another cool. Th- Yep. Yeah, yeah. Zombie sides a game. If you want that similar zombie feel, instead of screwing each other, you want to help each other out. Well, you know that you, you mentioned that 
is um, I know Twilight Creations, you go to their website, and I know other people have done this too, is um, there have been some home-brewed brew rolled, you know, gamer, how gamers are. <laughs> they got to make their own rules and tinker with everything. So um, there have been like uh, rules for like co-op of that game. So yeah, it can be done. Also other like victory conditions and other scenarios. And I, I think there's even rules for playing solo. So you can look that up on Twilight Creations website. So there's lots of cool stuff for that game. One of my favorites. That sounds great. I actually so think I will look that up. Yeah, yeah. So okay, it's always fun. I mean, mm-hmm. just a blast. So that's your go-to game. Okay, Chad. What about yeah, you? Yeah, one of mine. What is your go-to game, Chad? Uh, you know, I. <sighs> probably have two i mean i like paranoia second edition uh and i like uh gangbusters but uh you know i'll go kind of shallow into each one but uh i'm sure uh, most people are probably familiar with paranoia which is basically (laughs) just a total beer and pretzels game it's best played actually after imbibing uh the alcohol uh oh yeah yeah it's just a blast. Uh, it's one of those games where you get to just, you know, everything is tongue in cheek. You're you're living in a uh, non-utopian future uh, that is you have the, the computer and the computer, the computer is your friend. And the computer is also paranoid and crazy and thinks that everybody is a commie traitor. So the mutant traitor, commie mutant traitor. So your role as a troubleshooter uh, with clones, just in case, is to do the good work of the computer, who is merciful and sometimes even allows people to live, in going out and finding people who are commie mutant traitors, which is, of course, everybody, but you have to figure out the ones that are most apparent, or at least at that moment, uh, miffing the computer. So we did one, uh, just I always remember back in college, uh, we called it the night before Christmas, and uh, we had to, the computer uh, informed us that there was a known commie mutant traitor by the name of Santa Claus, who was illegally (laughs) wearing the color red, because everybody wears a jumpsuit with a specified color based on your rank within the society, and Santa was wearing the wrong color illegally and flouting the computer's rules and trying to uh, trying to create anarchy within the computer's utopian society. So we were airdropped off of a C-130 or something like that with uh, heavy artillery. And as we fell around Santa Claus, uh, our job was to take him down. And that <laughs> was not as easy as it sounded because Santa Claus was packing heat. So with a Browning 50 caliber machine gun, he was taking us out of the air as we fell. And with a ho, 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 he even used rocket launchers. You're on the <laughs> naughty list. You're a naughty boy. Ho, ho, die. <laughs> that was fun, you know. And so, it's you know, everybody is tongue-in-cheek in that game. Everybody is suspecting everybody else at the table of being a commie mutant traitor based on what they say. 
and so it just you know it just gets really crazy and fun uh, mm -hmm. as you're playing it but uh i'd say the other one that i really like to go to uh when when we're looking for other games to play for one shots would be gangbusters i i usually play the uh the i believe it's third edition now that uh that we play most often but it, that's a game you know if you like 1920s gangster type stuff uh gangbusters is awesome it's it's one of those tsr games i don't think gets enough of the uh enough press it, it really was a fun game and yeah. and you could play you could play prohibition agents like elliot ness you could play gangsters most of the most of the games that i run the players usually play want to be gangsters they're usually working for people like frank the enforcer nitty or al capone uh, and generally speaking, most of the adventures revolve around uh, uh, hauling a truckload of hooch uh, amongst the various uh, speakeasies that Capone runs within his empire while trying to face off competing gangs as well as Elliot Ness and his untouchables. And, and that can get that can be played seriously, but I, th I find it's best when you play it with a little bit of tongue in cheek also in that one. You know, like we had one uh, scene that that had everybody just kind of rolling. Where at the near the end of the adventure, there they get they get back to this old warehouse, which is where the stills are, and they're they get their payment. And as they're about to leave, they open up the door, and Elliot Ness and all his guys are standing outside. You know, their headlights are are framing the door, and Elliot starts monologuing. He's like, "Hey, boys, my name's Elliot Ness." And and then the, one of the players just goes, I slammed the door. <laughs> In the middle of his monologue, they just slammed the door on Elliot Ness. He was Elliot monologuing, you believe it? <laughs> and he turns to the guy next to him. He's like, hey, did they just close the door on me? I think they did, sir. Get him, boys. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elliot Ness had the door slammed on his face outside Al Capone's uh, second hideout. Today, Elliot Ness... <laughs> His door. Anyway, it, it just it, it gets to be really fun, you know. You get the you get the blaze a trail of glory with your Tommy guns and 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 use all your your best nineteen uh, twenties speak. You might say, "Hey, I oughta hit you." Twenty three skidoo. <laughs> Twenty three skidoo. Uh, you know, it's fun and 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 we usually have a good time with it. And it's it's not really a game that we're playing campaign wise. So we, you know, it's easy to come up with a you know generally one night in Chicago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's that's pretty much what we do. Yeah, any RPG that runs well as episodic is great for nights when you have a missing player. Yeah, like I our my group will sometimes we'll do a top secret SI. Since that's a ah, that's a great one. Yeah. I love Top Secret SI. Yeah, it's a fun game, and it's great for just little short episodic scenes. Basically, if you could think of like any like TV show, like a Twenty Four or something like that, you could totally easily run it in that type of vein. Really? Well, yeah, and you could do it. You could do it in a in a serious fashion, like uh, when we do our Checkpoint Charlie scenarios. You know, we set it in a kind of a grim. Uh, 1950s Cold War, you know, the uh, era. But you could also take it the other direction. You could go totally Ian Fleming, James Bond, oh. and jetpacks and submersible cars and guys in I tuxedos. I like martini shake and not stir. Yes. Oh, yeah. We, we ran that game uh, at a convention that was Game Hole, actually. 
and all the players showed up with actual martinis awesome. at the table. Yeah, and we just we had a blast. Yeah. Imagine my surprise when Q gave me explosive underwear. <laughs> oh. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to die. <laughs> just once I want to hear one of the players uh, say, you know, like, no. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that would be me who would say it. i say, I don't expect you to tell me anything. I expect you to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's from Goldfinger. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. I expect you to I die, Mr. Bond. The, the big overweight American bad guy. Hmm. Or I would be Dr. Evil. Throw me a freaking bone. Freaking lasers on their freaking heads. Dr. I Evil. call it the Alan Parsons project. project. Yeah. <laughs> Preparations A through G failed, but we did find a fix. Preparation H is coming along smoothly. We find it feels good on the whole. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Golf clap uh, for Corey. You could totally, you know, if you want to do a tug-in-cheek, you could have all of that going on in the game. Obviously, that's how I would do it. Yeah, that's usually (laughs) how my group does it as well. Austin Powers route. It would just generate into that. (laughs) Why I ought to slug you. I just like saying that. I don't know why. name's Austin Danger Powers. Danger's my middle name. (laughs) Yeah. And another game that's along the lines of the tug-in-cheek, though, is it came from the late, late, late show. Ah. Be- I've heard stuff about it. Yeah. That is a game I keep hearing about. One of the guys in the Dead Game Society actually ran it at Gen Con one year, and I think it went over really well, but I didn't get to go over to the table to really watch. Yeah. Basically, the ki- in this game, your players are actors in a B-horror movie. So when you make your stats, you're th- – your character is an actor, then the person running the game assigns them a role based on their whatever role they best fit in this B movie they're doing. <laughs> and it's totally at that point, though, your actor is that character in this B horror movie. Wow. And it's just there's a lot of break in the fourth wall where, oh, no, the real broke. So we have to redo this scene. The players can pull out when something doesn't quite go their way. And it's just wacky fun. And with this, in each game, your actor will be playing a different role unless you're involved in like a sequel. So that's interesting. Yeah. So in one movie, you could be like, okay, you're like the uh, cop. The next Mm -hmm. movie, you could be the camp counselor. Okay. And in each movie, you gain fame too by how well your performance was and how well your long your character survived, which then gives you more abilities to get better equipment at the start of the movie because you're famous and you get better wardrobe, which and also your actors also have skills, which sometimes you'll get assigned a role because your actor knows this skill. Say they need someone who has like computer knowledge for one of the roles, then your actor will take that spot. However, if no, none of the actors have it, the director can actually give you that skill for this movie. And this movie alone, it's just not as good as if you naturally had it. What if you're Keanu Reeves and you have no skills? No. Or Nicolas Cage. Your skill is being Keanu Reeves. Whoa. Dude. I I know Kung Fu. 
Exactly. I just know Keanu Reeves, every movie you see him in, he's always Bill. Right. He's always Keanu Reeves. He's Keanu same Reeves. Thing, oh. Same thing with Nicolas Cage. He's every Nick Cage. Film, he's Nick Cage. Same with Steven Seagal. He's Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. I'm Steven Seagal. It's either he's – no, he's either Steven Seagal or he's extra large Steven <laughs> Seagal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Arnold is Arnold no matter what. Steven Seagal does a sensitive scene. Yeah, I'm going to kill you. That's amazing. But I'm, but I'm going to kill you slowly. <laughs> This will hurt me. Arnold is always Arnold. Yeah. I'm Detective John Kimball. Otherwise I known as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Whatever movie I could do. Stop it. Get down. Yeah. And Stallone. Hey, yo, Arnold. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, I I, I'm having such visions. If you take all those actors and put them into a B-horror movie together. Yeah, it's oh, called the- what if all the players like it's called the expendables. actors? Somebody could be uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, no. Just we just couldn't do off. an actual play on the uh, Wild Games Network, though. We don't yeah. have enough bleeps. Yeah. Well, actually, most of the AP podcasts aren't rated family, so we can get away with playing Samuel. Oh, yeah, okay. Mine's, mine's not. <laughs> you know, I could always sound like Morgan Freeman because everything he says sounds smart. Oh, jeez. You just listen to the Thacko's Hammer uh, actual play. There's no beeping in that, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know it's going to – you know it would be a great uh, beer and pretzel game because just – I mean just hearing about the game, we're already talking about who we would play, you know, in the exactly. game. I got to get that game now because yeah. that sounds like such a blast. Yeah. It, I've it, always heard so much stuff about it in the past, and I, and I could never find it. But when people say, oh, man, you got to play. It came from the Late 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 Show. It's so what? much fun. It's so different. What year so, was that game out, man? It was in the 90s. In the 90s, it, I think. Yeah. Um, it was put out by Stellar Games. I happened to stumble across it at Half Price Books one day. That's how I even found about it, found out about it. It's funny because there's a game that I was going to recommend called Director's Cut Survival Horror uh, Core RPG Book. That came out in 2011, which has almost the same exact rules you just said, except they use a 4D6 as their uh, rolling. Ah, well, let me just interrupt here and let everybody out there know that currently right now, uh, it came from the Late 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 Show 1 and 2. Role-playing, bat, role-playing in bad movies full set is for twenty five fifty two on eBay right now. Yes. They had the Late Show number 2 book for $6, and it looks like the second printing's up there for 10 yeah, and Noble Knight has a package with books one and two for twenty bucks. Nice. Oh, you know what? I was just thinking, you know, it'd be really fun to do uh, with that format would be uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, oh my! <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Or even space. Oh. <laughs> well, I was just Blazing thinking, you know, saddles. like remember in, because you, uh, isn't that a game where it's uh, where it, I mean it's not totally like you're you're playing an actor in a movie, but at the same time. You're an actor in a movie, right? Oh, so. what is that? It's um, is it like I think it's director's cut, and they have a bunch of different expansions. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, I think it's that's the one. You're an actor playing an actor in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Blazing Saddles. Remember? <laughs> They're yeah, constantly much. breaking the fourth wall. Remember when they have the uh, they have the bar fight that that spills into <laughs> another movie yes. where they they have to fight. <laughs> It's like supposed to be like they hurt, buddy. Let's get them, girls. (laughs) (laughs) Guys in tuxedos start fighting them. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's also the Kung Fu Action Hour. A lot of people like that. Yeah, Yeah. that that would be. You could do some wacky stuff with that, and then 
I have this weird D20 supplement. Oh? It is all about black exploitation films and running no an way. RPG in a black exploitation oh, yes. r- yes. Oh my god, that would be so much fun. Yes. That's not third edition. Never mind. Yeah, it, 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 it's a OGL. Okay. But, so OGL. yeah, it's D20 based, but it's all about running a black exploitation film. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You could be like Shaft. Yeah, or show enough. Shut y'all. I'm just talking about Shaft. Shaft. <laughs> Cleopatra Jones. Yeah. That's right. Uh, another couple games that I usually go to for uh, a quick game night is, uh, and if you really want a really quick, 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 if your players look, like, uh, Extreme Dungeon Mastery by Tracy Hickman, XDM. Ooh. Oh, yes. Uh, perfect game to just pull out because all you have is you can either play the basic game or the advanced game. The basic game has one stat and that's all (laughs) the advanced game has three stats total. And you use it. I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. Use a D 20 and the lower you roll, the better chance you get to do anything. So it's just the opposite. And he uh, said he purposely did that to screw with D and D players. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a perfect, because you could just make up anything, what you want. If you want something, you have it pretty much. That's, Pretty much how he described the game. Pull that game out, and you can play that within. Make up a character takes about twenty seconds. You roll a dice, just that, you're done. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Yep. And yep. that's uh, that's my first go to. My second go to is probably Tune. Mm-hmm. A lot of people play oh that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Uh, easy two d six system, and and you pretty much play cartoon characters. It takes probably about fifteen minutes to make up a character, but once you do that, a lot of people have problems playing Tune though. Because they don't think like cartoon characters. I had a group where we played that, and they just like, "What do you do?" I don't know. What do I do? I don't know. They didn't know what to do. I'm like, "Come on, dude! You're a cartoon character. Pull a hammer out of your butt or something." I could do that. You're a cartoon character. Just make up stuff. Some people just don't understand that. And finally, Army of Darkness by Eden Studios. Yes, yeah. it takes about twenty minutes to make up a character, but once you do, it's very simple to play. <laughs> simple D10. Add your modifier, look on the chart on your character sheet, see if you hit. Yeah. And you can play various things like that or Buffy or Angel. Those are my go-to games. For- yeah. Oh, cool. If you have a group of horrible human beings, Cards Against Humanity is a blast. That was mine. I was going to hold off oh and my wait gosh. to everybody I've on heard, I've heard so much stuff about that game, too. I mean, even non-gaming circles, Cards Against Humanity has yes. become very, very popular. They have kicked out so many expansions for oh. that. Yes, then there's even crabs against humidity. <laughs> um, the, uh, because when at my friend's birthday party we went to, we sat around in a Victorian home in Victorian garb playing Cards Against Humanity. Oh, my goodness. We have yeah. photos. I need to get them. Yeah, my my Halloween party this year, my <laughs> Halloween costume party, the rule was you had to come as a card from Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And because I actually have the uh, light up Iron Man shirt, uh, I just came as Robert Downey Jr. because it's one of the card answers in the game system. So I was like, all right, I'm Robert Downey Jr. I had somebody come as uh, a large butt boil. There, there were some really off the wall costumes, and it was yeah. ridiculous. Yep. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm not familiar with that game. Uh, basic- but essentially, oh yeah. Oh, go, ahead. Go, uh, go ahead. Basically, imagine apples to apples. If you had a bunch of drunk people sitting around and they were absolutely the most horrible, racist human beings possible. 
Well, okay. We're usually drunk. Yeah. So I can provide the drunk that. people. You you essentially get ten cards, I think, is what you start with. You get a handful of cards, yeah. and what it is is somebody, the whoever's turn it is, lays down a black card, and the black card says something like, "If it wasn't for blank, I totally would have done blank." And you need to pick two of your cards to fill those blanks, and one of them might say, "Done naughty things with the neighbor's grandmother," and then the next card may say. Uh, married that horse i'm being quite 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 tame here for the show yes but I mean, it's it's a lot worse but essentially then wow. you, you lay your cards out i lay my cards out vince lays his cards out and then er, the the person who laid the black card down votes and says which one they like the best that person then so this is like a it's almost like an x-rated version of match game 77 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome right the and yeah, these it's yeah, they sell a storage box since there's so many expansions, and it's rather huge, and it's called the Bigger Blacker Box. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yes, I recommend the Bigger Blacker Box to hold all your cards because, cool. yeah, there's tons of cards, and it's yeah. absolutely hilarious if you have the right group. Uh, we were even playing it with my friend's parents, which was amusing, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's a there's there's some messed up expansions for that as well, and you can get them themed too. Like I got a bunch of Whovian friends, so there's a Doctor Who expansion. You can get uh, different type of uh, media expansions and different genres. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it sounds a little bit like Munchkin as far as the expansion. Well, that was my next. That was my next go-to <laughs> game, man. Oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> all right. Yeah. Nice segue into Oops. Munchkin. No, good segue. Good, good, good. Sorry, tell us about Munchkin. So. If you like role-playing games and you want a quick, easy game, this is my number one game for all my friends when they come over because my Risk Legacy board is already completed, so they always pull out Munchkin. Munchkin is the boiled-down, best tongue-in-cheek version of a role-playing game I've ever found. It literally is a card game where your levels – you have 10 levels. You get to level 10, you win. You literally are a fighter or a wizard or whatever, and you kick a door in kill a monster, take the treasure, move on. Yeah. And the cards are so tongue-in-cheek. It's There is a, a a a bastard sword, and the sword on it says, you're not my father. Uh, <laughs> there's there's cards in there that, that you know, it's like, uh, what is it? The, uh, uh, oh, the morning star. It's, it's just a woman, and you grab her by her feet, and she's crying. Like, there's <laughs> so many, like, like, bad jokes and puns in there. And they've come out with, I think, what, I think it was 14. What are they up to now? Oh, my gosh. They got uh, so many expansions. I've seen they got a superhero one. They have a Cthulhu yep. one. They got a Cthulhu yep. one, yeah. which is really good. They, they've got spies. They've got superheroes, spies. vampires. Uh, they have a Penny Arcade expansion. They have an expansion for the Guild. They have expansion for Conan the Barbarian spoofing them. There's one done for Kung Fu Theater, which is one of my favorites. And you can mix and match all the expansions into one massive game. And, like, the Kung Fu cards are, like, you, you when you're playing the game, you don't have a race or a class. And as you draw cards, one of the cards might say Elf. Well, now you're an Elf, and now you get special abilities. And when you open up a door, you draw a card, which is op kicking the door in. And if you're, it's a monster in your hand, you have to fight it. Well, you measure your level, effective level, versus the monster's level. And when you get that Morning Star, it might add plus two to your levels. Well, if you're already four, level four 
and you're now level six, you beat the dragon if your level's higher. And essentially, there's cards that build upon other cards, upon other cards, upon other cards. Um, there's the uh, the there's there's a card that just says from from Hong Kong, and it gives it a plus one to your weapon. And then there's like um, of my grandfather, which adds plus two to your level. So and then you pick up like uh, the the bong, the Hong Kong bong from Hong Kong of my grandfather by adding all three <laughs> of those cards together. Yeah. You're now like effectively level fifteen. Um, there's a Star Wars uh, one. There's a Space Marines for any of you Games Workshop 40k players out there. There's it, it, Space Munchkin is yep. pretty hilarious. And well, you you know you pick up races and classes, and you can be a mutant. And there's cards in there that allow you to multi-class and be a half breed, so you can be an elf dwarf or an elf mutant or whatever you want. But the best part about the game is. The game, Steve Jackson, the way he he makes this game, it goes beyond just the cards. If you go to cons, and any of you out there listening, go to cons and you're interested in this game, look at the tables. Steve Jackson pumps out hundreds of additional swag he throws to cons, bookmarks, uh, book sleeves, a t-shirts. And if you own these, there are special rules connected to each of these items. Yes. I have oh a my bookmark. God, you're kidding. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I have a bookmark that allows me to look at everybody's hand, take three cards that I want, give three cards that I want away, and then I got to tear up the bookmark. Right. I have a t-shirt that if, as long as I'm playing Star Munchkin, I get to make a rule. Like oh there's different, God. yeah, dude, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And like, so there's like a meta gaming aspect to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh it's my like, God. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and the great thing is you can pl- combine all the expansions together to make a mega munchkin because they yes. release blender sets. So yes. cards that will actually let you be a half or Kung Fu master. <laughs> Fighting Cthulhu. With yes. a laser rifle. Yes. And a Mac. Of my grandfather. Yes. <laughs> in a Mac. <laughs> so. That is yeah. awesome. But if so you it's read like the rules, Risk, but with cards. Yeah, it's like if you read the rules, it even tells you in there, it goes, yeah, whoever owns the box and whoever's house you're at, they make the rules. So if there's oh, a, rule, oh. a disagreement, it's whoever owns the box, they get to make the fun rule. And it actually says in the in the rules, you are allowed to cheat. Right. But if, if you it, get caught, then you go back down to level one. Yep. But it's it's not you don't get caught. Yep. Like yeah, Jesse, it's not been... cheating unless you get caught. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but you know, Steve Jackson didn't he put out Illuminati also? Yes, he did. There is an Illuminati expansion. Game. Oh my god! Well, no, yep. no, Illuminati is a standalone card game. Oh yeah, right. yeah. But that one that. first. But that There's... was Steve Jackson game. Yeah, he put out a, a an Axe Cop expansion for that for that cartoon that the the guy draws for his little brother. There's a Jump the Shark expansion crazy ridiculous oh and then he put out uh, a bunch of dungeon cards which are bigger cards that change the way the entire table plays like there's one that says like uh the dungeon of the sticky the, the sticky men or something where all your foot gear that you have that are magical boots they don't work you <laughs> lose them and yeah it's, it's it's crazy some of the rules that they start adding into it it goes it's ridiculous yeah it it, it devolves into like uh, if you've ever played flux where yes Yes, it's similar to that, and the rules will change drastically depending on what you're playing with, uh-huh. even though the basic mechanics are the same. And actually, Flux is another one of those. It's one of those games that you can play, and it's, like, super quick and just another fun one. It's like start you start with the rule, draw one, play one, and basically you're trying to uh, just com- take get these cards, like, object cards, 
and make a pair. And once you make the pair, you win. Seems simple, except other players will start playing other cards that change the rules. Instead of draw one, play one, it'll be draw five, play two, or you draw none and play reverse. I mean, so it's wacky, but it's a quick, fun game. But you know, there's one other Steve Jackson game that I don't think anyone's mentioned yet that it's a great beer and pretzel, and that's Car Wars. Yeah, I was just thinking Car Wars, man. Awesome, yes. Uh, we, I've had some fun playing that one, you know. I mean, that's how you're going to get your your Road Warrior fix on. Yep. In fact, um, I was part of the very first Car Wars AADA group that nice. was ever formed out of Omaha, Nebraska. It was called Nova, the New Omaha Vehicular Association. I was the treasurer <laughs> back in 1980-something or another. And, <laughs> yeah, Car Wars is such a great game. If you could still find it, I think you can. But it's it's such a fun game. You just you, you don't even have to make up a car on your own. You can take one of the stock cars out of there, every character. The rules are pretty simple. And yep. just have at it, build a scenario, quick scenario, and there you go. Yeah. Have you guys I, ever heard of a card game called Nuclear War? Yes. Oh, yeah. No. I played that with uh, Ernie Gygax. Uh, I went over uh, to Ernie's house one day. Actually, I think uh, I played it with Jason and, and Ernie, uh, and I had a blast. That game was so cool because you start out, it's an old game. Uh, Ernie's got like one of the original boxes. For yeah, it, it was, like, came out like late 50s or early 60s originally. Oh, yeah, totally during, you know, like the whole Cold War, you know, nuclear uh, atomic scare era, you know. And, you know, you start the game out in a, and you're doing propaganda. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got a country, and, and at least the original one had a little spinner deal instead of dice i think later on they they dropped the spinner and went to dice but uh everybody's got a hand of cards uh you have the little spinner deal uh which you spin when it's your turn but uh, you can play your cards and you can play propaganda where you're trying to you know pull people from the other guy's country over to your country and but the minute somebody plays a nuclear warhead card it's like Cold War has just begun. <laughs> you can't do any more propaganda. And you, you lay three cards out in front of you. And they're, they're in the order that, you know, like each round you can put, you put one of your cards down. And it's mm-hmm. face down. Only you know what it is. And then the next time it's your turn, you put another one. But this time it's behind it. So it's like moving up, right? Whatever wow. you put down. And... So you want to be careful how you put them down because you can have a nuclear warhead, but you now need a way to deliver that payload. So you have uh, you had the different uh, what was the what was the uh, Apollo third uh, Apollo whatever it was space it capsule was, uh, not the capsule but the rocket itself that oh, was a uh, Atlas an Atlas. So you can have there are various types of missiles. Atlas is one of them, and it carries the biggest payload. So you have to have your nuclear warhead, and then right behind it, you have to have your Atlas missile or or whatever type of missile you have. I think there are like three or four different types of missiles, and they're all real types of missiles. Uh, but you know, and, th- and then when you know, you can send your, you can declare that I'm firing my. Once you have, you also have like uh, the big uh, B. Uh, I forgot the ones that could drop nuclear missiles back in the fifties, but you also have those those. So you can, I think they give you greater distance or something like that. But 
you know, you, you basically pick one person you're going to fire your nuclear bu- uh, missile at, and then you do the spinner and figure out how many people he lost. And there could be a wind that that blows radioactive wind back to <laughs> and. Uh, I, I I think there was that in the game, but uh, it, it's it was a blast. We had a lot of fun with that. Game. Isn't that the one where the little mascot is called Skippy? You know, I don't think we ever used him. And I and I know there was a there was a, a expansion called Nuclear Escalation that came out later. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, literally a white box. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah. one of the originals. Cause you that's can still, gotta be one of the originals. Yeah. Cause you could still get that game from flying Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was who made it flying Buffalo. Anyway, that's definitely one you should try out too. If you ever get a, get a chance, nuclear war is, yeah. it's a blast to get a, a bunch of guys around the table. It's literally, it's well, a blast. Speaking of nuclear war, I don't know if any of you out there have, played risk well yes oh yeah i love risk uh there is a new version of risk out and i am a big hater for risk because of how long the games take i remember (laughs) back in middle school asking my mom to go to my friend's house because it was my time to take my turn on risk we had games going for like weeks because oh yeah um, well my group won't play risk with me because the last time we played risk the game was over in 30 minutes okay well the new version of Risk is called Risk Legacy, and whoever came up with this idea is the most genius and badass person. I want to shake their hand and take them to dinner for this version. Wow. You get the game board, and as soon as you open up the box – It explodes. There's a, yeah, that's funny. No, there's a sticker on the back of the board that says, for those of us who are about to create genocidal war, please sign this board. Everybody who first plays your game in the first night signs the back of your board. As you open the board, there's a whole bunch of weird symbols around each of the countries. You also notice on the roof, the lid of the box, there are small envelopes that are closed with words on them that says, when the first person is kicked off the game, open this envelope and add the cards to your cards. The next one says, when the first person uh, drops four cards and gets 30 men for reinforcements, open this envelope. There are different envelopes that you don't open in the beginning of the game. As you progress through this game, the game changes itself. And when you win the game, the person who wins your game must sign your board on the front. Over to the left of where South America is, where usually it says risk and all that other stuff, there are 15 lines, and they sign your board. And each of the – you don't get green, purple, red, and yellow anymore. You get actual race cards. And each of the races have all these slots on the front. And when you're going through the rule book, you'll notice there's parts of the rule book missing. It says, when you open up this envelope, add sticker X here. When you open up this envelope, add sticker K here. And Whoa. you're like, what the hell? The game changes from rule game one to game 15. It is a completely different game. So the moment the first wow. person gets kicked out of the game, you open up the envelope and there's a whole bunch of cards. And essentially they give you cards like low ammo. And you get to put that sticker. If you're given that that card, it's a sticker. You actually peel off that card and stick it onto the game board, permanently making Irkutsk. Whoever owns Irkutsk gets a minus one to their die rolls when defending it because they're low on ammo. Then you have another one that says mercenaries, and it's another sticker you can put somewhere else that says if you own this, at the end of your turn, you get an extra man there because you got a mercenary. Holy moly. The that game, is the wild. game changes completely. And then when you kick somebody out of the game, you find stickers in there that says whoever got kicked out first gets to look through all the stickers, and it's a racial sticker that changes the way your race plays. 
and you get to actually add something to the front of your race. So it may say when you start the game next time, you get an additional five men. Or when you're pushing through Europe, uh, any blue map area, you get an additional man per each spot. So then it goes around the board as people get kicked out. You get to pick your own blue sticker. So my stickers on my races at game 15 are going to look completely different than the stickers that you have on your races. So wow. as you're when you win the game, okay, everybody gets a headquarters. And when you win the game, you, you you win by collecting more than four headquarters. If you have four headquarters, you win the game. Okay. So a lot of people just push straight through. They're not going for world domination. They're just they're they're gunning for your headquarters. After you win the game, you get a nuclear missile, which is why I segued into this. Mm-hmm. This nuclear missile changes any of your die rolls to a six. You may uh-huh. use it at any any subsequent game you play. If you come back and your name is on that left-hand side on the board, you get a missile. So you're like, okay, go ahead, roll. Hey, guess what? I'm dropping my nuclear missile. There's another envelope that says when three nuclear missiles are used in one die roll combat, open this envelope. When you open the envelope, there is a new race. It is the mutants. <laughs> You must put a nuclear symbol on that one area where everybody was contesting, and it changes depending on where you were fighting at the time it happened. Your board's going to look different. Then there's now a new race in the game. Whoever dropped oh, wow. the third missile gets a sticker on theirs that's called Bringer of Fire. There's also another hidden race. I won't ruin it for you because there's a hidden race on there that says um, when somebody drops 30 men or it does something, you open up this new race package. And when you open up, there's a new race that totally flips the game. It's ridiculous. And I never noticed this until my friend brought his over when I didn't have I didn't have mine. I pulled the actual plastic container that holds all the cards and everything in. I pulled it out of the box. There is a hidden envelope in the bottom of the box that says do not open period ever. Okay. Oh man, that's like the big red button. Exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> exactly. staring at it. I went online and checked their wiki, and it found, I found out that there are five different versions of the cards that are in that envelope. So your cards may be different than my cards, and they change drastically, your game itself. And even after you get to the 15th game and all the cards are out and all the stickers are out and all the races are out, you now have your map set for your world, and then Risk is then played normally on this board that you've destroyed Earth, and you have other races out, and it's ridiculous. It's a fun game. The games do not take seven days. They actually take usually about an hour to two hours if everybody's played before. Usually it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to play a normal Risk game. Oh, nice. You got to check it out. Yeah. It's called Risk Legacy. It's yeah, it looks awesome. like yeah, it looks like it goes for about 45 50 bucks. Yep. Yeah, it's wow. it's it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. That sounds good. I like that. So every game is unique. Yes, and and you bring your board over to my house and you're at game 15 and I'm at game 15, your board's going to look completely different. Like we've nuked uh Madagascar. Madagascar is where we drop the nukes. So no one can go on Madagascar. If you land there, your men, you you lose half your men every turn because of nuclear fallout. Wow. But like you might drop your nukes in northern Ontario. So you might have your nuke up there. So the board is going to look completely different when you take it from one person's house to another. It's it's a really cool idea. And everybody's like, well, what happens if you get to game 15? Now you got to go buy a new game. Well, no, because you play the risk board as it is. But because you know what's in there and you know that the card envelopes are different, they, there's four or five variations of the cards, you might buy another one and it might be completely different cards. 
it's such an awesome business model. It's it's a great board game too. Sounds really cool. I I'm looking at Amazon. Average reviews is five stars for Risk Legacy. Yeah, yeah, it's on eBay right now for twenty nine ninety nine right now. Yeah, another game I got to look at. Yeah, I, this looks really fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh boy, my birthday's coming up. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, there you go. A lot of go good uh, uh, go to games there for you know for that game night where not everybody can show up. Yep. Now you know what to do. Yeah. If you can't figure out what to do from that, then just don't play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just cancel and find better game friends. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. All right. I guess that's going to wrap up everything for this show. Corey, thank you for stopping by today. Anytime, yeah, thanks, man. Have me. Thanks, guys. It was fun. If you want to hear more of Corey and you think you're enamored and love Corey so much, you can go to thackoshammer.info, listen to him on Thackos Hammer, and learn more about the second edition thing that came out that we don't care about too much. But Well, maybe you don't. <laughs> Well, they did reintroduce the uh, the Gazetteer worlds from Basic into Second Edition. We did. Yeah. I gotta admit, though, in Second Edition, the psionics are work a lot better. I will disagree there, but you guys know where I stand. <laughs> on we'll agree to disagree. It can be done, and it can be good. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that'll wrap things up. We'll say keep it original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Good night, Bye, everybody. Good night. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.